Welcome to the Phase World Podcast. Engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. I always wanted to create something edgy and fashionable, yet wearable in the martial arts world. Because growing up, I, I noticed people don't really associate martial artists as fashionable. And I think martial arts, like dancers, they express bodily movements that's just very beautiful and, and very graceful. And it only makes sense that what they wear when performing and even training is really an extension of that movement. Typical wushu attire is uh, very colorful. There's a lot of silks and satins and, and embroideries and, and sashes and very flowy kind of comfortable material. And it drapes very well. So wushu practitioners are very electrifying to watch. As a creator, you cannot just be involved only in design, but you have to learn the making of, you have to learn there's the manufacturing side, production, sourcing. You have to learn also how to build relationships with different people on different levels. We should always stay fluid and, and let our minds, you know, be reshaped. I think strength, confidence, and wisdom, it comes from experience. And that can happen at any age. And the more you just keep doing and, and learning, the more knowledge you gain. And you can equip and empower yourself with that knowledge, which are really the things that nobody can take away from you. You're listening to episode number 42 of the Phase World podcast, and this is your host, Fei Wu. As you can imagine, it's been a pretty long journey, and I'm still having a lot of fun. Today, I am introducing my friend, new friend, Chris Yen, who is an actress and entrepreneur from a proud lineage of Wushu and Tai Chi masters. Her mom, Bo Sin Mark, is one of the premier Chinese martial arts practitioners, and her brother, Donnie Yen, is currently the number one kung fu action star in Hong Kong, whose latest film, Ip Man 3, will be released in 2016. I decided to interview Chris, who recently launched a fashion line in June 2015 called Chris Yen Fusion, featuring athletic-inspired casual wear. But what intrigued me the most is that Chris had never worked as a fashion designer, yet she was very determined to be an entrepreneur with the support of her family and friends. She recalls the experience as a eight-month boot camp, and you can check out her progress in the making of images and videos right off her Facebook. If you have been listening to Face World Podcast for a little while, you probably know that one of my biggest initiatives these days is to interview women who inspire. Particularly, I've been always fascinated by women who are unmistakably curious and resilient, and Chris certainly is one of them. We explore Chris's origin stories that made us time travel back to when she was growing up in Boston as a little girl. She trained with her mom, Bosa Mark, at her Wushu classes every single day. We talked about why she made the decision to create a fashion line in an industry that has always been crowded and competitive. In addition to having two very fashion-forward members of the family, her mom and brother, Chris added, the film and fashion world both have such huge impact on people's views sometimes distorted, sometimes very positive and profound. She feels so fortunate to have access through both mediums, which can set strong encouraging statements and actions. She feels a responsibility with these powerful tools to also influence other young minds, especially young women out there. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please share with your family and friends. And the best gift you could ever give me is a review on iTunes. I hope you share full transparent feedback, um, exactly how you feel about my podcast and who else you would like to hear next. This episode is brought to you by the O'Malley Taekwondo Center in Peabody, Massachusetts. O'Malley Taekwondo is a traditional martial arts school that welcomes men, women, and children. The school also integrates self-defense training to help members at any age 
to be more alert and prepared. As a student of Mr. O'Malley's and a practitioner of Taekwondo for over 15 years, I am proud to be part of this movement, teaching others useful and practical skills. The school has a wonderful community of friendly kids and adults who come together to practice and stay in shape. As a Phase World podcast listener, you are entitled to a special offer from O'Malley Taekwondo: the 30-day trial for only $95, that includes a free uniform, three private lessons, and unlimited class time. By the way, there are over 35 classes available each week. To claim this offer, simply go to faceworld.com/promo. That is again f e i s w o r l d dot com forward slash promo. I'm so excited to finally chat with you. <laughs> I agree too. I've been looking forward to this, and I want to learn more about you too. It seems we are, like you said, a Two, three degrees of separation here, so <laughs> we have some common friends, I guess. Yeah, many common friends, and、uh, I met some of your family members as well. And you know, to to kind of kick it off, one of the reasons why there are so many reasons that I'm excited to be chatting with you, but one of which is, as you know, I run Face World podcast, and so far I've released 39 episodes. And since the very beginning, I'm still super eager to chat with female entrepreneurs and strong women,、uh, spiritual, strong, empowered women who can then sort of who have transformed their own lives and have all these wisdoms that they could share with, you know, women my age, younger women. And in this case, in your case, that I'm super excited that you are, in fact. A super strong woman, and I know that you can easily beat up any guy, two hundred pounds, six two.、Oh. I have proof. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> They admitted that and, and said you're incredibly physically strong. <laughs> <laughs> that is who said that? <laughs> uh, uh, multiple sources, and、um, as you know, yeah, you are you are very talented martial artist because you you come from,、uh, you work out very hard. I Definitely believe that, but it's certainly in the genes as well, because you come from the, in my opinion, the most、uh, prestigious sort of martial art family here in New England,、uh, and it's just it's incredible. I've read so much about your mom, and I watch all your brother's movies. Oh and- wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh,、uh, thank you so much. I'm I'm really really flattered, but you know I I definitely am not the strongest woman in the world. <laughs> I, I really don't think I can barely lift up my seventy five pound dog. Let <laughs> alone try to beat up a two hundred pound man. And I'm a I'm a petite petite woman, and so you know most most people are kind of twice my size. <laughs> and I've kind of gotten used to seeing the world that way. Yeah, let's get right into it. You know, you're you have a new fashion line, which I've been. I feel like I'm monitoring the growth of it, and finally launched on June first. It's called the Christian Fusion Collection. <laughs> yes. So tell my audience about it. Tell us all about it. <laughs> well,、um, CY Fusion is a street fitness fashion line, and it's really inspired by my martial arts roots. And it's because you know. I always wanted to create something edgy and fashionable, yet wearable in the martial arts world. Because growing up, I I noticed people don't really associate martial artists as fashionable people.、Mm, <laughs> so true. I I think you know martial artists have their own fashion sense, and a lot of it really stems from within.、Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with you know the disciplinary training, very high level physical training, and that mental awareness. That comes along with it, and that sort of combination cultivates a certain level of expression. And and I think martial arts, like dancers, they express bodily movements that's just very beautiful and, and very graceful. And it only makes sense that what they wear when performing and even training is really an extension of that movement.、Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I see it. And you know, with clothes and fabrics and materials, it can be very beautiful, and especially when it's when it's worn the right way and 
really enhances one's features. So in movement, you know, it can be physically very stunning. Mm -hmm. So I'm a very visual person, very imaginative. And that's really what I tapped into. This was all stemmed from my traditional wushu roots, because in wushu, um, I'm sure as you're very familiar, it, it's mm -hmm. an exhibitional type of uh, martial arts sport and quite fancy. You know, this is very broad too. We work with a lot of different weapons and the typical wushu attire is uh, very colorful. There's a lot of silks and satins and, and embroideries and, and sashes and very flowy kind of uh, comfortable material. And it drapes very well. So wushu practitioners are very electrifying to watch. And especially when they're at a very high skill, uh, very powerful, um, the movements are very graceful. But it just sort of makes sense. You know, you combine that fashion sense with certain material types with that type of bodily expression. So it, it felt very natural for me to, to tap into that. And that's really what I, what I know. And it comes from my roots. You know, I, I try to, anything that I really embark on, I really try to tap into my background and just what I know best because I feel that's the best way to approach something. It's organic. And, um, you know, you may find that there's still a, a, lot, a lot of areas to keep exploring further with it. I learned about your family even before I came to the United States, and we're talking about 15 years ago. And I knew about your mom and, and your, your brother because he's in the film industry, but your mom, um, it, my Mandarin, by the way, please excuse my accent, uh, Cantonese accent. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so Bosun Mark, is that how you say your mom's name? Yes, Bosun Mark. Bosun Mark. Uh, she's legendary, and I learned about her when I when I was probably only a teenager at the time. And and I was wondering, you know, if you could speak to your upbringing a, a little bit, because you started wushu when you're uh, four years old, and you competed in the first, I believe, wushu international tournament, and you placed at the very top, top three. And you've been training ever since. What was it like, by the way, for my audience? Not only this didn't happen in, in China, in Guangzhou, or, you know, somewhere, but it happened right here in Boston, in New England. Tell us about your upbringing. Well, <laughs> uh, it was quite colorful. It was very colorful. And, you know, at the time, uh, you know, being so young, I, that was my world. It was whatever I was doing and whatever I was surrounded by was very normal for me. Mm. But, you know, later on growing up, I look back and I realized, wow, you know, I, I did come from a very unique upbringing and I have two very unique parents. <laughs> uh, definitely not your typical sort of, you know, traditional Chinese family. Um, and I feel very blessed. I feel like the universe has blessed me with a really cool family and it's just such a strong foundation. And, you know, I'm really... I hope to, um, you know, not let my parents parents down. I don't want to let my family down. So, you know, I'm striving to always you know, do better, whatever whatever I embark on. You know, I want to throw in 100% passion and effort and, and purity. So growing up, it was... It was quite chaotic also, and, and, I, and I'd say probably confusing at times because I was really the only young female kid around who was doing what I was doing. No one had heard of Wushu at the time. Mm, wow. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> you know, when people think of Kung, Chinese Kung Fu, you know, of course, it, they immediately go to um, the typical kind of slapstick Kung Fu movies and Bruce Lee, and, you know, no one knew what Wushu was. But Boston Chinatown, as you know, is a very small community, and uh, you know the word definitely traveled very fast. And we were performing a lot in local events, and my mom's school is becoming more and more well known. Uh, students uh, came from all walks of life; they would fly over to learn from her from from many parts of the world. So it was a very uh, adult-oriented environment, and everyone was very colorful. It was just it's all sorts of personalities, you name it. And that was really interesting, you know. But then at the same time, uh, my mom's school was situated in the outskirts of Chinatown. Mm. But at the same time, I also grew up in a Jewish community mm, wow. uh, in Newton. And I was like the only Chinese girl in my class. 
Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, sort of that Newton community environment. And then right after school, I would have to go to Chinatown to my mom's studio and start training. And I would train. She would put me in almost every one of her classes. And, you know, she was she was so passionate about her teachings. She would teach back to back all day long, wow. seven days a week, you know, especially when uh, the school was starting to pick up and, you know, she was kind of in, in high demand. So I would attend all the classes, you know, um, at a very young age and just not knowing that I was really absorbing, you know, all of this energy. I was absorbing her, her movements and her skills and the way she would communicate and teach her students, which was most of the time nonverbal. Her English was very limited. Uh, she also is not a woman who speaks a lot. She expresses through her <laughs> internal energy. <laughs> that really is the best way to describe it. Uh, and it was kind of like a big playground for me. I, I think I had a lot of fun um, just hanging out with the students. And I would also sort of pretend to take on that teacher's role. And I remember... Usually before classes, we have an area that's closed off where the students can warm up and practice. And I used to go around and sort of poke fun at the students yeah. like, oh, you know, you're like 12 inches away from the split, you know, and mm -hmm. I was a bit of a ball buster and, kind of <laughs> and you know, because I knew that, you know, I was a, I was a little bit, a little bit cocky for my age, too, because I think a lot of these things, since my mom had really pushed me at a young age, you know, things came a little bit uh more naturally for me. Mm. So to me, I thought, oh, well, you know, if I can do it, you should be able to do it, you know? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, what, what did I know? But um, so I had, I, I remember there was a lot of fun times, you know, it was, it was definitely a lot of hardcore training because my life basically consisted of training and wushu and then um, and music. Uh, my, my father's a musician. Oh, he I didn't know that. Played, yeah, he, he <laughs> played the Urhu, the Chinese Urhu. He was actually one of the first um, people in Boston who brought the Urhu instrument and started performing with that. And he was also the first musician to play Urhu with the Boston Civic Symphony. So, mm. and he also plays the violin. So music was uh, definitely a, a big influence in our family. Plus, my mom uh, used to be a uh, first soprano. Wow. Yeah, this is way before Donnie and I were born. So she was singing a lot, too. She was really into musical uh, stage performance. And singing was part of her thing, accompanied by her martial arts performance. Wow. So she was really ahead of that early on, um, which is why later on she went on to develop Wushu Theater. And she was uh, uh, choreographing and directing stage theaters. Uh, in like programs in Harvard and at Boston University, um, so different different university levels were she was invited by them to to teach and to perform as well. Wow, it was so funny! In in fifteen minutes, somehow I learned so much about you and your family. I had zero idea that <laughs> both of your parents are musicians, and and I just have to say that it's so funny. I realize. I've been doing martial arts, in particular uh, Taekwondo, for say 14 years now, roughly. I, I've been bragging at sometime like at 14 years, and when I was a kid, I did Kung Fu, but really, I want my audience to understand that the level of training, the intensity, and sort of the influence that I had is really nothing compared to your experience. The differentiation is definitely worth mentioning. <laughs> well, it, it was it was different. It was, it, was, it was definitely different. But I think, you know, with any form of martial arts, you know, the, the core principles are still there. You learn at a very disciplinary level. You learn at a very high mental level mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, also you're training your mind. You're training your uh, mental awareness and alertness. You know, you're sharpening your mind as well. And um, your coordination, you know, and not whole physical bodily movement, you know, mm -hmm just kind of naturally stems from that. So I believe it, it really starts it starts in the mind first. And I think all level of martial arts training really, um, you know, hones that. Mm -hmm. It's um, 
you know, I, I wrote a note on my uh, on my book here and says the moment I start talking about martial art with you, I think we could have like a, a ten episode series. I I really <laughs> yes, you know, maybe maybe <laughs> because I didn't honestly, I didn't come from a martial art family. Uh, I for some reason this is like one of the most proud aspect of uh, who I am. And it is still, to be honest, like a very important element of my um, day-to-day. And I feel like I want to think, I I think and I walk like a martial artist and uh, it's it's so integrated as part of my life. Um, I'm definitely a martial artist, Faye. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, 14 years is, is a very long time. And, you know, that shows your dedication you know, I'm sure you're the how you've evolved. You know, getting a black belt is not easy, mm-hmm. and especially as you know, a woman. And I, you know, I've read I've read about your your background on your website, and you come, you know, you're very diverse in your skills and knowledge. So definitely something to always be proud of and brag about. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And and I think what I what really intrigued me about your fashion line and martial art, even though. Uh, you know, yes, there's the basic line, there's the wushu line, and uh, the, there's definitely a very obvious interplay. But naming aside, what I also begin to read about your line is that you're you're not just a woman who like like the rest of us like fashion, want to be a fashion designer. But I think you have a very unique and very crystal clear message that you're delivering here with a post that you've shared on Facebook, for instance. And I keep reading them and I find very inspiring. One of which is called, um, it's called the Business of Fashion. It's called uh, Op-Ed, I believe. It's weaving better narratives about women. And in particular... You know, the theme about the fashion industry must do more to create more compelling, nuanced narratives about women and girls. And I love you to have you speak to that. It's very special. Well, I, I want to say, first of all, I do not consider myself as a fashion designer, really. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I love the creative process and energy in anything that is, you know, just involves in creation. And... It just so happened, like, I, I got inspired to jump into this without having any background and seriously not realizing what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a really crazy industry. Um, I never thought of myself as a fashion-oriented person, mm. to, to be truthful to that. In fact, um, I used to look up to my brother as the fashion icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we're, we're, we're so many years apart and, you know, we, we didn't grow up together. So essentially I grew up as an only child, but he was already out making movies in Hong Kong. But he would come home and, and visit and every time he'd, he'd show up, he'd be sporting like this new cool but hoodie or, you know, some new kind of sweatpant or T-shirt. Aww. I'm like, you know, what, what is that? You know, it was really eye-popping and especially – being from Boston, is, is you know, you know, Boston is, uh, you know, considered more of a conservative. Uh, oh, yeah. Sound. <laughs> I totally so agree. We, we didn't have exposure to that. There was no access to that. So I just started seeing him like, wow, that, that's cool. And I've always been a tomboy. And mm. for some reason, I just was always drawn more to men's fashion, just the way it sort of cuts and it's tailored. And there's just something very strong about that. So that was really my, my first um exposure. I never grew up wanting to get into this industry. You know, I don't, because I don't, I guess I don't really look at fashion in, in the sense of like most fashion people who, who develop themselves as fashion uh, designers. You know, for me, it's, 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 it's about inspiration. It's about art. But out of that, you know, everything I also try to do from here on, there needs to be a purpose. It needs to be a good intent. I just feel as long as I'm, I'm true to what I believe in, mm-hmm. and I choose the right path in whatever I do, whether it's through my fashion clothing line or, you know, even through films or even through writing. I want to hone in on this message, and it's it's empowering. It's an empowerment message, not just, you know, necessarily for women, but, you know, the younger generation, the next generation. I think we need more education and you sort of shift our mindsets a bit send out all the positive vibes as much as possible. Hopefully, you know, I can be a good, a good influence on somebody. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you have been. I think your your brand has a very clear message, and I think. You know, one of the questions I, I had earlier on, I think you're almost in, in the, on the path of addressing that as well, is I, I would like to kind of dive into some of the challenges that you've possibly faced in the past, you know, two, four, six months. And I'm interested in learning about what is the size of your operation? Sort of what is the core team, the maker team that you're managing on a regular basis? <laughs> oh, <So>. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So before I, I start that one, I just want to uh, go back for a second there sure. and ask me about you know what other sort of career paths I've taken. And I, I'm still on that. It's just that's not my uh, primary focus right now. But definitely the martial arts wushu element has played a big role in this new venture. But also um, having the film experience, you know, mm. being uh, an on-camera artist, being an actress, you know, having that level of uh, expression. You know, I was trained in, in acting both in front of the camera and theater, um, being exposed to uh, production on set, you know, doing action choreography, mm. uh, feeding people up on set, you know, <laughs> so all of that is still a big part of it. You know, like I said, I, I just take everything from all my experiences and I just throw it into this and that's essentially where it came from because you know being in a film industry also I was exposed to especially in LA um, a lot of uh, you know fashionistas and, and styling and photo shoots and all that so it all just sort of came together so I just sort of picked up a little bit of everything along the way uh, the film experiences really exposed me to a lot I actually started out working for Donnie in film production, so I would get to travel a lot and watch inner workings of choreography and uh, how to make films and on you know various different levels. Mm. So it, it was very educational. And then coming to LA to try to carve my own path, you know, just my own little path here, you know, definitely was very, very challenging. Uh, I'm sure as you're aware, you know, being Asian American in the Hollywood industry, uh, it, it, it has its, it has its own setbacks. And, um, I think I quickly realized, you know, I had to make sort of a decision. Do I want to sort of follow the herd? Do I want to continue on this path? You know, I feel like getting in front of casting directors and trying to audition, you know, for something that I may not necessarily be in love with. I, I wasn't sure if that was really truly me. So when I started to realize that, I became more picky about the projects that I wanted to get involved in and picky about you know, the kind of roles that I wanted to express myself in. And then that's when I started to actually develop my own projects. Mm. I developed uh, several scripts over the years, and I actually tried to shop them around and take on a producer role. Uh, both here and in China. Wow. So, I'm so and, glad that you opened this up, by the way. I, I did. I'm so glad we didn't jump right into sort of next steps, but I have your IMDB open right now. I would love to have you speak to some of the, the learnings, as you have mentioned, but some of the setbacks as well, because I interviewed um, John Haggerty, he's a Broadway actor who's based in New York City, and who shared also his very authentic origin stories with me as well. He's half Korean. So tell me about maybe kind of educate us, like open up this, um, you know, Pandora box of people who have never been in the film TV industry. What is it like? What are, what is it like to be an Asian American working in LA as an actress? Um, <laughs> it's well, a- I, I think, you know, firstly, first of all, these days, you know, we are definitely seeing a lot more uh, diverse roles. We're seeing a lot more Asian Americans on TV, in films, and taking on bigger roles and in even main character roles, which is definitely really refreshing. And, and I'm so happy to see that. But I still feel like, you know, we, there's some ways to go. Um, you know, there's always room for more improvement. I'm not as active now in the auditioning space as my primary focus is, is really launching this, mm-hmm. but uh, I still would love to 
continue on that dream. It's an unfulfilled mission for me right now is to get my own film off the ground. So that's something I'm actually very, very uh, passionate about. I actually love acting. When I discovered that it could be another form of expression outside of martial arts, outside of the one thing that I, the only thing that I really knew, uh, you know, it was, it just opened up my, my, my world. It's like a part of my creative brain and muscle that was untapped. And when I finally discovered it, I was just, I was just so passionate. So I feel because the industry itself is really difficult and really challenging. It's so competitive that, you know, I was never quite successful uh, reaching my goal in that. So I haven't let go yet. If I could give advice to young aspiring actors, I would say don't go for it. <laughs> don't get into the business. Um, unless you are really solid and grounded mm -hmm. and really got to have a very level-headed, um, you know, head on your shoulders. And, you know, that comes with a lot of things, of course, your, your, your upbringing, your family background, who you are, your experiences. And you know, there's a lot of very young actors who are very, very mature, far more mature than their age and a lot more mature than I was when I was their age. And because I certainly know that if I had tried to embark on this in my late teens or early 20s, I would have easily been too caught up and have gotten really lost and you know I did enter this later in life and I feel I used to feel like oh you know I started too late you know I don't think it's gonna happen but you know now when I sort of look back I'm, I'm, I'm actually fortunate you know because I I would have probably easily gotten caught up mm. you know it's hard to find mentors out here when you're essentially kind of alone and I came out here pretty much on my on my own I don't have any family in LA and uh, Donnie, you know, has always stayed in, in Asia. We've just got very different uh, lives. And so, you know, I never really had a mentor in this space, but I just kept seeking. I kept seeking different uh, instructors and uh, acting coaches that didn't just, who weren't just skillful at teaching acting is really not acting, but mm -hmm. who also, you know, have a lot of life experience to share. And that was really important to me, you know, because it's such an intimate process, you know, and to, it's a skill that you really have to develop in a confidence to learn to shed away all your inhibitions and to shed away all that, you know, self-consciousness in order to achieve a certain level where you can just be in the moment, be truthful, be very sincere, and be very real. And I think some of the best acting really comes through uh, characters and actors when they have reached that certain mental state as well as like it, it comes through in your physical performance because the camera captures everything it captures your thought process you don't even have to have dialogue so it's a really intimate setting and it's much easier when we as audience watch a performance you know to be to judge and to criticize and it's much easier said than than done and that's why it takes years and years and years of training to to hone that skill yeah yeah you know especially as a woman i think with this training i think you you had mentioned it's so interesting to me when you said you know go to auditions which by the way i've done a couple of them for commercials completely out of the blue random and right and um you i just i've never experienced that until last actually just a few months ago uh it was a i well, six months ago for a Christmas commercial, they're looking for a, um, a martial art instructor. I'll never forget the experience. It was not chosen, but I was just thinking, you know, it, it's really, it, and I had a full-time job, I still do, so it wasn't uh, my primary focus. It was really uh, for my own thrill, but to be able to handle rejection, uh, rejections and still be so grounded and really believe in yourself and continue with that momentum, be tenacious. I feel like that's the energy yeah, yes. you're portraying here. And I love, I think women will really resonate with that voice because women are really throwing themselves out there, so out there these days, but doesn't mean that they're always balanced and we have moments that we doubt ourselves all the time. But I think, you know, not saying, not having to line up all the stars, not 
needing all the answers. In this case, you start your own fashion line. You know, the production, the, all, all these so many different levels of expertise and um, the dots that you have to connect to do what you do. Um, so I think maybe maybe that could be a segue to start telling us about some of the particular challenges and, and thrill yeah. and excitement. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, just to just to wrap up on the last note, when you, you hit that key word is tenacious, tenacity. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, I do believe that. I feel that where I'm at now is a big part of my journey in the past. Without having that experience of rejection um, over and over and over again, mm-hmm. without having gone through that, I, there's no way possible I could have I could be doing, you know, still trying to do what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, leading into this, it definitely still has its own set of challenges in the fashion industry that I'm still learning about. I really had no idea how overwhelming, how many moving parts and how diverse and just how many sub industries within this big fashion conglomerate there is. You know, you cannot, as a creator, you cannot just be involved only in design Mm -hmm. but you have to learn the making of you have to learn there's the manufacturing side production sourcing you have to learn also how to build relationships Mm -hmm. with different people on different levels you know um manufacturing and is is also you know i'm not i'm not uh i'm still learning about that you know that's not my primary focus but i have to do it i have to learn it and it's really complex, but you know, I I I I try to find factories who have kind of a open mind and open door, open communication um, policy. So that way, we will develop a relationship because essentially, it is it's like a marriage. When you find your factory, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is so important. Like you need to always have those communication channels open and, and, and um, you have to develop trust with each other. They have to learn how you work, understand your product and your brand and your vision. As, and I have to understand, you know, how they work so that, you know, I, I want them to be the most efficient they can be and do the best making my products. But not all factories work on that level. Mm. The challenge is there's definitely plenty um, this is an industry <laughs> you need to have a very, and I'm not saying that I did when I jumped into this, but I quickly had to find and figure it out. You need to have a very clear plan moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, what it is that you're trying to do, what's the purpose, and a business plan as well. You can't just be focused on the creativity, but you've got to learn how to balance the business end of it, especially being a new designer entrepreneur. What are some of the lessons learned, I guess, in, in um, that sense? Um, well, because this is an industry that could quickly eat up funding mm. <laughs> without you even realizing it, because everything is kind of like a domino effect. You know, you cannot have one thing without the other and so on and so forth. And going back to having a really clear plan is having a clear budget involved, too. Mm. And I think starting out, the first two to three months was actually quite shaky for me. And then that's the sort of biggest lesson is that I went in uh, head over heels because I was driven by inspiration and passion. You know, it's great to have all of that, but I don't think it was wisely balanced because I didn't exactly have a clear budget or a clear business plan in mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just trying to, you know, pick up knowledge wherever I could and it was a little bit all over the place this is a industry where you have to be extremely organized and efficient like I said or else it's going to burn away your time Mm -hmm. your funding and your energy very quickly and so I very quickly did get overwhelmed. You know, my, my plate was, I was stretched too thin. My plate was really full. So in the beginning, um, I tried to, you know, work with some interns from the FITM. And I tried to, you know, meet all kinds of people. 
just like in any industry, like the film industry, you know, not everyone you meet is always going to carry the same torch or their heart is going to be in, a, in the same place as yours. Mm-hmm. So it's also an industry where I think, you know, they can, people who are veterans in it, they can easily smell new blood. <laughs> and I think being, you know, sort of a petite Asian woman, you know, there is sort of that, uh, you know, they, they, you know, pe- people are judgmental. So I think that kind of came with it a little bit, like they can tell. All right, you're a newcomer, you're on your own, you know, you kind of don't really know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people out there that will try to take advantage. And that is, you know, unfortunately, that that's just all over the place. So I think that's one thing that, you know, looking back, if I had to do it differently, mm-hmm. you know, I think I would have um, held back a little bit on my excitement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe get a, read a little bit more and talk to a little bit more people, reach out rather than just diving into it. You know, I always feel like, oh, there's not enough time. You know, time's going to go by really fast and I don't want to wait anymore. You know, it's just now is the time. And also because I see you know, my family's getting older, it's, it's, it's hard to see your parents get older. So mm-hmm. I, I really just, I, I don't want to waste any more time mm-hmm. before it's too late. Got that. Wow. Uh, I'm driven by a lot of things. (laughs) No, it's an incredible journey. And I think it does, uh, you know, having a fashion line encapsulate and the sort of your, your background when you said dance and martial art, I see all those elements. Like it's part of a kaleidoscope that kind of concludes what you've ever learned in life as part of your fashion line. And I really say this, and I know if you go to Parson today, I'm sure that's kind of a, they would tell you a similar story where, you know, younger designers, more experienced designers, their collections are reflections of their souls, which is, which is what I see in CY. And I think that's what's really unique about it. Um, so really, I, good luck to your endeavors. And I, I'm going to stay very close to your Facebook page and, and all of that. Um, Thank you. I, you know, I'm I'm really I'm also interested in learning about what you think as a brand. Maybe perhaps this is part of who you are for yourself, but or as part of the CY Fusion fashion line. What are maybe the upcoming short term next steps or things you want to explore, things you're interested in in doing next for your fashion line? Or is it too early to say right now? Um, well, no, because, uh, this is definitely a very fast paced industry and it works seasonally. So you always have to think a few seasons ahead. However, I'm not, I don't think that I'm that kind of a brand or that kind of a designer, Mm -hmm. whereas I'm not really trying to follow the trends here, to be honest. Uh, my trend is kind of coming from, you know, my background. So I feel, you know, it, I want to create pieces that are functional and can be timeless. So hopefully, you know, that will carry through to many, many, many seasons and never really go out of date. Um, I think moving forward, I would like to expand more into men's mind because now, you know, it's predominantly female empowered, which is, you know, the the root and foundation of this. Mm -hmm. However, there are also unisex options because, you know, in the martial arts space, course you, you cannot just uh just have women's wear mm-hmm. so i do want to expand into uh a larger men's uh, men's products i have unisex right now but i'm still working to fine tune what i i have i started out thinking that i was going to create a capsule collection mm-hmm. of 10 pieces but somehow that doubled into about 20 something so <laughs> I don't certainly don't have all my designs in production right now. You know, that's not that's not possible. Um, it wouldn't be wise to do that. That's another advice I definitely give anyone who wants to start. This is try to start small. You know, there's really no hurry. No one is putting these deadlines on you. You know, you're not starting out going with buyers and wholesalers and distributors. You know, just it's OK even to start with maybe three to five pieces in a set mm-hmm. and then sort of figure out, you know, what are your staple pieces? What are your core pieces? And out of that, you know, that core should really stem from your message. You know, what, what, what is this about? 
and why. You know, I always have to put the why there. I think everything should have have an answer to to that. I, I love that process you just described because what you're saying essentially is being nimble and instead of thinking about, you know, 15, 20 signature pieces and how each one of them is going to sell and resonate with your audience, customers, but instead you're testing out the market a little bit and see what really works um, instead of just sort of hiding behind the, the assembly line and just always trying to crank out more and new products. I really love that because I think not only if there are fashion, future fashion designers who's listening to the podcast, but as a project manager, in particular, a digital producer, that's something I'm trying to hone on my own skills and trying to deliver to my clients as well, is not to write, for instance, like a 200-page business requirement documents, but creating these nimble prototypes to really begin to test out your ideas and make adjustments, continue to learn and discover along the way. So I very much encourage that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, I'm still trying to figure out my uh, stamp in all of this. You know, what is that sort of one or two core elements that I can really hone in on and develop it further? Because I'm just getting my feet wet right now. And I've you know, met a lot of veterans in this industry. I've been very honored to meet some really cool people who has a wealth of knowledge to share. And they've been in the business 30, 40 years, and they're still learning. It's just one of those industries. Mm-hmm. You never stop, especially, you know, in a textile world. Nowadays, with so many uh, technological advances, you know, fabrics and materials are becoming very high tech and they're being incorporated into, you know, into fashion, as you can see in a lot of activewear. I'm not so much in that space yet. I'm not exactly, you know, in, uh, I'm not trying to compete with Nike or any, any of those activewear brands. I just, I don't really think about it on that level, mm-hmm. but I, I guess, you know, life to me is sort of a big discovery and exploration. And I think anything that you sort of discover and you do and you hone mm-hmm. in on out of that, you know, is going to be organic. Um, it's going to be very real and uh, something that, you know, nobody can take those qualities away from you. And, you know, abundance, there's just too much of that in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I'm really big on, you know, I'm still learning, you know, what recycling and sustainability. And that's also another important characteristic of my brand is that I, I don't want to follow the fast fashion path. You know, that's if I could also be a contributor in some way, you know, there's a lot of textile wastage in this industry so much. It's just, it's almost heartbreaking, you know, and Mm. all the materials that does not get used, it it could turn into, it could turn into waste, which therefore will be, it will end up in in our landfills. And so that's a big, you know, contributor to, to our environment. So I'm really keen on that. I'm, I'm trying to still figure out, like, you know, how can I continue to sort of su- support that? Because I believe in that. I don't like to waste things. There's, I want to keep exploring textile recycling. Mm. Hopefully at some point, you know, my company and my brand will get to that stage where I can align myself with these textile recycling plants or companies. So all, of, all the materials that I use, I can then recycle that. <laughs> and it use it back and you know make other things with it I really believe that's kind of how the world should be as of you know for you in your position a, a powerful physically mentally uh, Asian American woman I would like to close on the podcast and ask my last question which is what is the advice you would give to women at any age of, of your choice what is your advice to them given what you have learned um, till now and how the world has changed? Um, it's a, for me, that's actually a very deep question. <laughs> it, it, it brings up a lot of things, but I would probably say, you know, where I'm at right now, um, and I believe we're always evolving and we should be. 
our minds are always, and we should always stay fluid and, and let our minds, you know, be reshaped. I think strength, confidence, and wisdom, it comes from experience. And that can happen at any age. And the more you just keep doing and, and learning, the more knowledge you gain. And you can equip and empower yourself with that knowledge, which are really the things that nobody can take away from you. I know I mentioned this earlier because at the end of the day, you know, that's your best asset. That's your best confidence. All of the external stuff, beauty and, and cosmetics and sex appeal, you know, how we how we look at ourselves, how we think other people look at us. It's, there's really no substance to that, you know, unless you're truly passionate and engaged in what you love to do. And I think what stems out of that is just a certain organic beauty that, that just comes from, from within. As long as you stay real and you're passionate and you have a true purpose, you can attain anything. And I don't believe there's any age barrier to that. At all, my mother was a true representation of that. Uh, although I didn't have any mentors growing up, you know, I definitely channel her and look at her path and who she is and how far she's come. And especially being first Asian woman uh, to set foot in North America to to do what she did without in any any English language. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a really incredible journey. So to me, you know, that's my source of strength. And I believe everybody, every woman has that source of strength. You just have to look from within. You know, don't don't read these gossip magazines. Don't watch these, you know, don't watch what's, the, what's out there. I mean, you know, look, you know, work with what you have and, and, and hone in on that, you know, and learn from it and just experience. You, gotta, you just got to keep going out there and doing it. And you'll find the answers. Mm, in time, you'll find the answers. I, I love that. And I have to say that even though we never met, and this is the first time for us to speak, but when, you know, when I have to face, again, a 200-pound man, 6'2", <laughs> I was told, I was told that, Faye, you have no excuse to say that, you know, I'm 5'4", back then 115 pounds. And because Chris Yen, you know, was this powerful woman who punched and kicked harder than anybody else, easily than any men in the, in the dojang. <laughs> so you've been my inspiration. And I love when you said work with your assets. Uh, and you will, you'll be very, very powerful and be true to yourself. So, man, that was, I, I can't think of a better way to, to conclude that. I'm very happy to have shared, you know, everything that I that I can and that I know. And uh, thank you for this opportunity, Faye. I had a, a lot of fun doing my first podcast with you. And, Aww. you know, it's just exactly what I anticipated to be because I could tell, you know, I've been also hearing your other podcasts and reading up on your background and, you know, seeing your pictures. Your picture tells a lot. And I felt this is exactly how it's going to be. So I'm very comfortable. And thank you for creating this very comfortable atmosphere and this allowing me to be, be who I am and, you know, speak candidly. So I very much enjoyed this process. Thank you. To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at FaceWorld. Until next time, thanks for listening.